Hey guys, Tommy from The Run Testers with our monthly podcast. In this episode, we're going to be focusing a little bit more on running tech. So Kieran, Mike and myself, we're going to be talking through things like headphones, watches and just discussing what the best options are for anyone looking for a new piece of tech to make their running a little bit easier. So if you're listening to this podcast and tech is your focus, then it's going to be a good one. Uh, as well as that, we're still going to be doing the usual bits and pieces. We're going to be talking about the latest running news, the latest kit that's coming out. We're going to have some more running facts. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're going to get all of the questions and answers from viewers and listeners that have sent uh, questions in that we've answered. Uh, so hope you enjoy it and uh, let's dive in. Okay, guys, we're back for the fifth Run Testers podcast. And this podcast is going to be slightly different than the last few we've done. Uh, we're going to focus a bit more on tech in this podcast. Still going to answer questions on shoes. We're still going to talk about the latest kit coming out, but we're going to try and really focus on a few tech issues in this one. So if you listen to this podcast and you want to find out about the coolest new watches and things coming out, then this is the podcast for you. So training, we've had a pretty big month for races and training across the board, basically. Kieran, you've you've come back from the Danube. You've 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 got a new sense of life for training. What what have you been up to recently? What what, what races have you been doing? How have you been training? I've got a bit sort of the other way away from the sort of tech and watches. And I've been I've done three races. I've run them all on field. So I've worn watches, but I've covered them and just sort of run as my body would allow just to see as an experiment to see whether that works out easier, faster, more fun. I just did the Abingdon Marathon, which is my third test. And I came in at 3.01, running entirely on feel. And that's like a couple, like four minutes outside of my PB. But I had a brilliant race. You know, it was actually really, really... I didn't have any of the mad suffering that you normally get <laughs> with doing this. Oh, yeah. um, and it was it was wet. It was a bit twisty. But it's actually really enjoyable. So I think it might be the first time I've ever run a negative split. So I'm pretty happy with that. Wow. So... When did you originally run your PB? So my my original kind of PB was back in Seville, so that was like a two fifty seven something. So I didn't mm-hmm. beat that, but for context, I ran this Abingdon Marathon course about four years ago. Tried to run a sub three based on pacing, got mm-hmm. to seventeen miles and absolutely hemorrhage, blew up, and uh, came in in three eleven. Yesterday, did the opposite and just ran evenly the whole way on feel and came in three oh one. I think I went into it roughly with a sort of similar amount of kind of fitness, so. I think yeah. it's just an interesting one to, an interesting different way perhaps to race. Yeah, yeah. What did you? Um, I think we ran together. Was it that I went to Seville? Was it that that year that you did your PB? Yeah, yeah. Perfect okay. PB course that. Yeah. And how have you yeah. found? Because after you did Seville, uh, you you have run marathons after Seville, haven't you? And you done though? Did you do those based on training, or did you just sort of enjoy those? Yeah, I mean, I've tried quite a few times to go sub three again, but I think it's all, always one of those things. If your training's not quite right, you're kind of on that. You're always running on that sort of trigger where it can it can all go terribly wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> really quickly. Yeah. And then you end up running kind of like three and a half hours or something. And that's happened to me quite often, even if I have done sort of serious blocks of training. I guess yeah. for this one, the difference with Abingdon is I I did the, the marathons along the Danube, did all of those miles very low and slow. I didn't really do any specific marathon training in terms of speed work or intervals and I just came in to see what I would get and I it's been a bit of a surprise really that you by running lots of low slow sort of low heart rate runs mm-hmm. that you can get near your fastest times it's been really interesting 
Cool. And what is what's the next thing on the list then? Are you actually going to continue that for another race, or have you not got any other races coming up? Well, Tom, I've basically got to go and beat two fifty five now, haven't I? <laughs> well, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> no, luck I mean, with that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I no, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know. I, I, I'm not really sure what comes next. I think I'll probably book in like a, a spring marathon and, and see what I can do. But I quite fancy looking at going after my hundred mile time as well. I've done hundred miles in twenty seven hours, mm-hmm. and I'd like to get round in under twenty four. As that's kind of one of the targets and. Whilst I'm fit from the Danube, I think that would be an interesting one to have a look at. Cool. And Mike, you're well. We we're both back about what a week ago. We got back from yeah. Uh, America. Yeah. Um, nice little ho- after... nice little holiday. Very nice. Well, most <laughs> non-relaxing holiday I've probably ever had, uh, as my girlfriend will say as well. But yeah, we both got back from uh, running Chicago and had a little bit of a trip afterwards. Had some beers yep. and. Uh, over in New Orleans. Uh, how yep. are you feeling after the marathon? All right. I definitely think, I mean, I think I'm now just about adjusting to the, I mean, getting rid of the jet lag kind of side of things. Um, I, I found it tough coming back and running a couple of days. I think I did my first run in the, in that, in the Nova Blast 3 TR and I wanted to go out really hard in that. And I just, after about a K, it was like, no, my body doesn't want to do that. So mm-hmm. I definitely need to ease back in. But yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed Chicago. Obviously the videos up now and stuff of, how we got on and how you got on Tom and uh yeah now I'm just kind of itching to get back to kind of into some kind of training I'm already kind of thinking about you know I want to do a spring marathon I'm not sure which one yet but there will be something and then I think before the end of the year I think maybe I want to have a look at kind of tackling my 5k and 10k times I had mm. some times in mind beginning of the year and you know if I can go out and get after those before the end of the year I'd be pretty happy so yeah just plenty, out yeah plenty of track training then basically yeah first track session today <laughs> i i always think winter around christmas time is perfect for five and ten k's because yeah that does take a lot of time i i whilst training for chicago i i think it's the first time i've probably trained well it's the first time i've ever trained for a race but um mm. i think i normally when i do marathons i'll do a spring one uh this is the first time i've trained over the summer for a marathon mm. and i've significantly enjoyed it uh, a lot more mm. um just because you just have way more free time. Like I don't really like running around at night. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of moving towards the same thing as well, where I just do short distance over winter because I don't want to leave the house that much. <laughs> yes. How did you boys find the course out in Chicago? I mean, you obviously ran really good times, but how does it compare to uh, well, some of the other races you've done? I'd say uh, I always bang on about Spanish marathons being the best mm-hmm. because they're so wide. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about like, bottlenecks and stuff like that you mm. often get in uk races i would put it down quite similar to a, a spanish uh, marathon mm. just because uh, i actually had a chat to kafuzi um uh, which on the video i had a chat to him about the race beforehand and one of the things i was worried about because i've ran london a few times mm. is being in a slightly wrong area at the start and then being stuck in a bottleneck for like the first two or three kilometers because it's those roads can get quite thin but I thought Chicago was fantastic. Like as soon as you start off, you've got loads of space. I was in the wrong pen at the start. I was at the back of the pen. I, um, I, I shouldn't have been because of a few issues with the toilet beforehand. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I just thought it was fantastic. And um, I actually liked. It's not a completely flat race, but the hills are actually pretty nice. I found them. Like, it was quite nice to have a tiny little uphill and then a little bit of a downhill afterwards. It sort of kept me kept me going but i absolutely loved the course i thought it was fantastic and we had a perfect day for it it couldn't be better yeah it was it was a good day there was more bottlenecks in the toilet queues right 
Tom than they were on the yeah I, I really <laughs> I, I all right so I basically was in the queue for the toilet about half a kilometer from my start pen at two minutes to my start time yeah. and uh I was chatting to these people and they all let me go in going first and I had to literally sprint from from the toilet all the way to the start line and I had no idea. It was people just waving me through, like through gates and stuff like that. Not the start you want for yeah. a PB attempt. Um, it clearly but it, worked. It worked. It, it worked. I need to do that again. Yeah. That's 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 going to be my strategy from now on. No, I enjoyed the uh, course. It's a, I think it's a very good course. Probably one of the best supported marathons that I've. Been. It's my first US marathon as well, and the biggest concern with me is really kind of the, the early start. But actually, in terms of the the time difference and the kind of jet lag, actually, it worked out really nicely. But I I thought it was a really nice. A really nice course is one I would definitely recommend to people if you can get in if you can get into it. I absolutely support was was um, good. Some of the best signs of signage I've seen at a race, without a doubt. So they go all out yeah. in Chicago for that run. Yeah, I loved it. Although uh, I think Chicago is massively affected by weather, isn't it? So if you get it on a bad yeah. day, then yeah. you're open to the elements, and yeah. then you probably wouldn't have had a, a, as much as a happy experience as, <laughs> as as we did. Cool. Well, if you if if any listeners or viewers want to find out more about those races, then we've got videos on the channel for those, and there should be by the time this podcast goes out a video where myself and Mike talk about our training as well for Chicago Marathon. So uh, check those out on the channel. Uh, okay. Well, let's have a look. At, well, let's let's just have a quick running fact. Kieran, this is the first time you've been on the podcast with running facts, so <laughs> we're sort of scraping the barrel for them now, but. Um, Got to keep, got to keep going. Running, Running fast. So, probably the youngest marathoner in the world is Budiat Singh, who completed forty-eight marathons before his fifth birthday, which I, which I think is more impressive than Danube, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, that sounds extraordinary to me. Like, yeah, is that real? <laughs> I, well, there's quite a lot online about this. So I actually, normally I don't actually verify these facts, but apparently he's also, at the age of five, ran 65 kilometres in seven hours and two minutes. That's so, 10 uh, marathons a year. Uh, yeah. So and you, you can't, when you start walking, I mean, you don't start walking until you're two, right? <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's, like 20, yeah, that's like 20 marathons in a year. That's I mean, when I say I've verified this, I've, I've, I've read some stuff yeah. to, to back it up, but uh, I don't know how we ran those marathons or anything, but... Uh, virtual, virtual, virtual actual races. <laughs> I don't think they're actual races. I don't, I'm not sure oh, I'm not sure the rules are uh, where, where he comes from, but I don't imagine both marathons allow uh, under five-year-olds to, to run. Uh, um, he pushed the buggy, perhaps, maybe, yeah. Well, that might be it, that might be it. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So there we go. Another one of those in a bit. Let's jump into running news. Okay, so in the world of running, a few things have been happening over the past month. Uh, one of these things, which has been a lot of chat about um, since it happened, is Colgan having an issue with her record. And I can't remember where this race was. Where, where was it? Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, was... it's a great Scottish run. Yeah, uh, great Scottish run. And yeah, the course turned out to be 150 metres short due to human error. And I think Liz McColgan ran a second under her record time. And Eilish. obviously that was short. <laughs> uh, sorry, Liz. Yeah, sorry. Mum, mum, yeah, mum, mate. Yeah, Eilish yeah. Show, my, show my age now, man. That's such a Yeah, yeah. Got it chalked off. So, I, you know, I think the one thing I really like was on Twitter, she was kind of. I think she was pretty um, gracious about it and sort of said it didn't really matter. But we've, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? That's a, that's it's not what you want, ideally. I mean, 
Tom, if Chicago had come back and said, I'm sorry, but how would you feel? I'd have, I'd, I'd have gone around smashing walls. <laughs> I think I think, I think, think her response really was in, in line with the fact that she still has the record. So uh, yeah, that's probably yes. why she wasn't... <laughs> a bit, bit more comfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still amazed that, that, that these big races get it wrong. Uh, it, mm. it should be that the, at, the, at the base level of any race you put on at that mm. scale, that's the thing that you should be 100% on. Like, there's things that you can yeah. sort of be a bit dodgy about but uh, or, or miss, but that, it, I mean, that ruins it for, for everyone, really, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a big problem, and we've seen it a couple I mean, of times over the past few years. How do they actually, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, running Abdul, how do they actually do it? They, they Someone literally out there, like Nick was, with the trundle wheel. <laughs> or I think, I think you'd have to be. Yeah. I think you'd have yeah. to be that. I think that's the only accurate way you could do it because you, you're always going to have an element of. I mean, you could you could do it on on a, a mapping software, couldn't you? But even then, yeah, you, there's room for actually, yeah, 150 meters isn't a lot to be yeah. out, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, but... Yeah. All right then. Uh, and then Freddie Ovet. Who, who knows about this one? I don't know anything about this one. I just saw his pop up on my Twitter and I thought it was pretty good. I mean, Freddie Ovet obviously has got a very famous dad in. In Steve Avert is obviously a, a gold winner, middle distance kind of you know absolute legend, and his his son is a very uh, very good cyclist and has just kind of rocked up to Valencia Marathon and run a very good time, very quick time, which I think is great. And I think obviously you know that whole kind of cyclist running debate and who's fitter and who can. And I think it, it, I think I found it quite interesting that uh, he's just gone and kind of turned his hand to doing a half marathon and done a very quick half marathon um mm. very impressive good yeah. jeans good jeans. someone else someone else another cyclist who's crossed over more perhaps a little more controversially uh that it is lance armstrong i was looking at they, who's done a 246 marathon according to the internet mm. um damn it he's beaten um, me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he may have had some help tom <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, yeah yeah all right well that's that's my next day uh, cool. Also, All right. Well, one more. Just I've got two more quickly. You, you might like George W. Bush before he became president ran a three forty four, mm-hmm. and Gordon Ramsay done a three thirty. So there's well, you've just you've just jumped ahead because I was actually <laughs> going to do a little quiz with. Oh, Martin you ruined the quiz. <laughs> oh but, no! Given the way but luckily, <laughs> luckily, I've got two lots. So you've mentioned some of the sort of general runners that have been doing them over the years. Let's do uh, let's do a little bit. Of qu- uh, this the problem with this is I don't know half these people are. But the <laughs> the most recent London Marathon. I'm going to give you a celebrity. You you give me a guess as to what time you think they got in the London Marathon. Um, and also, you might have to explain to me who they are. Okay. Uh, so, James Cracknell, that's an easy one. Did yeah. What did James Cracknell do? 2.45. I'm going 3.05. Well, according to the uh, T- uh, TSE London Marathon app, he didn't finish and he only got 15.5 <laughs> miles. Oh, um, no. So there you go. Uh, Sam Bird, uh, Formula E driver. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a sport, I assumed you'd know. <laughs> don't I'm going to say over watch. three for that. Over uh, three hours. 3.38. 3.18. Oh, yeah. Let's see if I can find someone you'd actually know. Eamon Chowdhury, BBC Two's Race Across the World winner. Do you know that person? No. Yeah, yeah scraping the barrel for celebrities. Where are all the big celebs doing the runs, doing London Marathon? Come yeah. on. <laughs> I don't think there are many. Oh, well, they've got Sophie Rayworth, but she was okay. injured. Okay. So well, how, how do you think Sophie Rayworth would do injured? Finishing. <laughs> <laughs> three, three, three thirty. 
352. <laughs> Danny Mills, you'll know who that is. I know Danny Mills. He's Come on then, who, how did Danny Mills do? Uh... I don't know. Well, his, his son's very quick, isn't he? he was in, he's in the on team, isn't he? One of the on, the on track team. So um, yeah. I reckon uh, I met him at the. He was at the on event that we went to. Uh, yeah. I reckon he did three twenty football. Three, he must be three fifteen. I'm going three three eighteen. Very good guess from oh, both yeah. of you. Yeah. All of the all of these um, sports people that are sort of trying their hand at running generally get around that time. I find base fitness. Yeah. I guess you know. Yeah, they've got enough to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then let's do one last one, and I've no idea who this is, but you might. Kate Lawler was apparently the first female winner of Big Brother. Oh yeah, how fast gonna... did she do it? Three thirty-five. I'm going to say. I'd say over four hours. Way off. Five twenty. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, that'll do. That'll do for uh, the celebrities running the, <laughs> the London Marathon. Let's get back to uh, what's been going on in the world of running. Um, so let's talk about running kit that's coming up. We don't go into too much detail on these. This is just a bit of news about the, the kit that's been released over the past month that we're looking at or we're planning to look at. First thing we've got on the list is the New Balance SC Elite V2. Uh, Mike, is it you and me who've got this or have you got this as well, Kieran? Oh, it's a V3, got, isn't it? Yeah. Mine, mine, I believe, are inbound, but yeah, not okay. running them yet. Mm, mm. Okay, so I've done, you've done a run of this, haven't you, Mike? Yeah, I did a... 10k in it at the weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah. 10k mm. in it at the weekend. Yeah. So, so, so this is basically the follow-up to the RC Elite V2, which was yeah. a very popular shoe, but a little bit mm. of a divisive shoe because it was very, very soft, very cushioned. And mm. um, I know Jill's a big fan of it, but I it didn't really work for me when I was I was racing in it. The Elite v- V3 is a little bit different than that. It, it's um, more uh, similarities to the Trainer, uh, the Fuel Comp. Uh, trainer that mm. came out um and it's got this sort of energy arc technology mm. in it so we will be testing that over the next few weeks and then yeah. doing full review and some versus on it the innovate 8 trailfly g280 or 280 i don't know anything about this yeah i mean i guess that that's essentially it's the 280 is essentially how much it weighs so it's like a yeah it's sort of a lighter sort of weight Sort of trail to road to trail crossover shoe that mm. it's the first shoe to have the nitrogen infused midsole mm. so we've seen sort of graphene infused midsole with the the g300 max uh, so it's got a nitrogen infused midsole it's supposed to be a little bit softer i believe and it's mm. got it's still got the graphene grip on the outsole like um i think four mil lugs it's got a slightly higher drop mm. than some of the other innovate shoes that tend to come in quite low at kind of they're often around kind of four mils and this is yeah so i guess the big the big news there is you know that nitrogen infused midsole the first time we've sort of seen that and i get the feeling mike i know you've run in it as well but this is sort of innovate trying to move away maybe from a reputation for having shoes that are run a little firm um and doing something that can yeah. be a bit more uh, versatile i guess definitely i mean when I, was, I actually i i met the guys out at utmb when they gave me a pair and um i think obviously we've seen this in road shoes i think puma and brooks are kind of using these types this type of kind of infused kind of foams and i think you know what they've kind of said to me is that although you know a lot of their shoes are kind of aimed around kind of ultra runners and giving them that kind of maybe something a little bit different in that feeling i think they they ultimately want to see this shoe as as working for a range of distances and and offering something a little bit different from what they have in their other range, it kind of sits in the middle between the kind of lower drop one it had and that kind of big tank that they have of a of a, of a kind of a 
trail shoe as well so yeah it's one i'm looking forward to putting a bit more kind of running time in and yeah i think the whole nitrogen views midsole foam as a as a trend i think maybe we'll see a little bit more over kind of the coming year on that front as well cool. my favorite okay. thing about it so far is that it's got a big it's also got a big roomy toe box which is not something necessarily always associated with innovators there's it's, it's really spacious so mm. it's pretty good well, all right then on to tech then kieran you've been testing the sun 29 peak pro how's that i've had that joy um oh it's gone like other suntos to be honest it's um you know this this is a watch on paper it's got you know some some good things about it's got a decent kind of battery life sort of 40 hours in kind of regular gps mode Uh, extends to 70 hours in endurance mode and you can get up to 300 hours if you go to the really low kind of tour mode it's got navigation uh, it's kind of it comes in around sort of 550 pounds if you get the, the, the titanium version my big problem and it, it's actually the really interesting about it they've sort of put out is it's the first watch to have its carbon footprint calculated so that's it's calculated an offset and the total life cycle co2 emissions are seven and a half kilograms for this watch which i think it's really interesting to see watch brands starting to do this follow suit maybe with some of the shoe brands we've seen and starting to be a bit more transparent about the cost to the environment of the products that are being made. So I would like, you know, I personally think it'd be a great thing if I, if this sort of drew in other brands to sort of follow suit so we could make smarter decisions in and around mm-hmm. the environment as well. I think as a watch, I mean, I've been done the first kind of run testers on the on the um, channel right now. I think Sento's just being left behind a little bit. You know, it's still got quite an old school display. It's got a big bezel and it just doesn't feel like it's moved on enough and there's so many you know Coros and Garmin have jumped on I'd sort of say leaps and bounds so full review for this is coming on the channel within the next sort of couple of weeks you'll get my cool. full take on it but, but um, yeah it's maybe not the best watch you've ever run with <laughs> okay well I look forward to that one then and then from uh, mid-level watches that <laughs> probably aren't the best to ridiculously expensive watches Mike <laughs> the uh, Garmin Mark Gen 2 are you going to be looking at this? Yeah, so actually, I think we, when we did the last podcast, I had just come back from Lisbon where they did the announcement, but I wasn't allowed to talk about it then. So I am allowed to talk about it now. It is the second generation mark. It is kind of tagged as a kind of luxury tool watch. It's over a grand again. So obviously there's there's different versions of it. There is the kind of the more running focus one will be the athlete again. The main things that I kind of think stand out, they they're changing in terms of materials it's very much kind of design based so they're using a an improved kind of titanium kind of case uh, for all the models the the most interesting feature i take because essentially it's the epics 2 with a, a nicer design that you know you're paying for those materials but there is one feature i think is quite interesting and it's this jet lag recovery advisor which is kind of fueled by first beat who garmin bought so it's kind of heart rate based but also it's very much focused on sleep so the idea is that it would have been ideal if we were going to chicago basically so if we had to use it so you you would put in when you're going to travel you know when your race is and it would kind of offer recommendations around that time think kind of give you the ideal kind of sleep that maybe you should be looking at like uh, tips on kind of nutrition and caffeine and i think that for me was the thing i took out from that and i think you know i'm told that will come to the other other watches so the epics and the phoenix as well it's just whether it when it will be but i think for me from a software point of view that's probably the most interesting thing but elsewhere you know it is essentially an epics 2 it's got a color screen similar levels of battery life maybe slightly better but yeah you're, you're basically paying for the design there should you pay for the design probably not probably go for an epics or a phoenix um would probably be my initial take so far and how much do you say it cost or will cost over a thousand i mean they can go up upwards of a thousand pounds so uh okay. they are not cheap 
Okay, I'll probably skip that one then. Um, all right. Uh, again, let's finish off the section with uh, another interesting fact. Running, Running facts. facts! Apparently before the 1960s, drinking water was strictly prohibited from races shorter than 10 miles uh, in the United Kingdom and Europe. Well, so much of Europe. It was believed that drinking water would make a runner weak. Any thoughts on that? What were they allowed to drink? agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That sounds like a smart hydration strategy. <laughs> Not sure how it, how, how it would make them weak. If they were drinking gallons of water before a race, that's probably uh, the limit. That's an interesting one, that. Yeah. Can't think of the logic of how that started. Good job that's changed. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't bring that back in. Okay, so uh, that's the running news. Okay, guys, so different gear this month. We're going to be talking mainly about tech that is out. First bit, we're going to just sort of run through the news, what's going on in the world of tech at the moment. So, Mike, let's start off with Huawei adding Strava integration. What's going on here? Yeah, I think they finally listened to what I've written in my reviews and they've added <laughs> Strava integration. So I think before you kind of had a little bit of a workaround um, with a kind of third-party app, and now they are saying you can officially, with their watches, send you a your data over to Strava basically so that will work with all the watches that we've tested on the channel recently which I think is great because I think actually the from a running point of view they're very strong running watches there's a few little things where they need to improve but ultimately this was one of the things that would would make it a better watch and so it's good to see that Huawei have actually added official support now excellent and AmazeFit uh, as the resident AmazeFit expert (laughs) Uh, what, uh, external heart rate monitors yeah i mean it's kind of a similar thing with uh, what, what i was saying about hawaii these two brands i think are, are, are building very good running watches in smart watches and i think amazefit are definitely there and thereabouts and i think they're learning they're looking what else everyone's doing they're listening to the feedback and they have for their latest watches so the gtr four which i've got at the moment they've added the ability to uh, pair external heart rate monitors which you haven't been able to do in the amazefit range before now i've had very, again had very good experience running with these watches and there's been a few things where they've lacked but i think overall they're a very good exp- they've offered a very good experience so this is another element to make it a better running watch the heart rate hasn't been fantastic it's been good but not great so the fact that they are looking or adding this support now i think is a really big thing because i think there is a foundation of a very good running focused smartwatch there so it's good that they're listening and they're they're adding these types of features to their watches well looking forward to your updates on that since you seem to know everything that's going on in the world of amazefit um and then we've got an update from the from the world of coros which um is is an interesting one kieran do you want to update us on what's happening there yeah, the pod is back. They, so they had an original pod, but it seemed to be just sort of discontinued a while back and uh, it was quite hard to get hold of. And essentially, you've now got a, a pod which can sit on the foot or be worn on the waist. And in a nutshell, what it's really designed to do is to give you more better fidelity of information that you're gathering. So it will fill in the gaps. Maybe if you're in a city running through a place where the GPS drops out, it will plug the gaps in the data and the information. So you're going to get more accurate instant pace is what Coros say. So real-time pacing should be better when you're using this in combination with a with a watch. It's better in for indoors accuracy. So treadmill runs, it's supposed to do that and offer more consistency in the cities. It doesn't offer power measurements. So that's where it sort of maybe deviates from something like the Stride. You're going to get 28 hours of runtime on one of these on a single charge. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess it'd be just be interesting to see if you can put something. It's quite small, quite compact. 
just to bring a bit more, um, you know, real time pacing information to your watches. So interesting to test that one out. I think it's going to come in about that's ninety nine pounds and ninety nine dollars. Not very useful when you're running on feel. Well, no. I mean, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, you just use your heart. Just use how you use your own emotions, Tom. You don't need pods, right? I don't have any emotions. Never going to work. <laughs> I'll get. I'll get the pod. Um, yes. and, and then uh, Apple Apple have been up to quite a bit recently we've been talking about uh, the Apple Watch Ultra quite a lot what's going on in the world of Apple at the moment so they've done a bunch of updates to their Fitness Plus program and one of the, the interesting things I thought that sort of jumped out to me was they've launched a new suite of um, training sessions for yoga for runners and they've buddied up with Scott Durek sort of famous ultra runner mm-hmm. and they've launched a series of 10 minute long sessions that you can follow it's yoga specifically designed for all those bits that runners struggle with so looking at kind of glute activation you know it's got mo- you know mobility and warm-up for ankles for for tight shoulders and neck and so they've, they've really the idea is they've zeroed in on all the bits that you need to look at as a runner to fix and design these really short yoga sessions that are supposed to be a bit more accessible now I, i'm someone i can't you know I've, I've always struggled to get into any kind of yoga because i just find it a little bit too difficult it moves too fast but I've known that I really need to. I can't touch my toes. I think it would really benefit my running. So I'm definitely going to have a go at these and really interested to see if they've managed to actually make yoga approachable. I reckon there's a lot of runners out there who probably would like to be better at it, but sort of feel a bit intimidated. So maybe this will bridge the gap. Mm, nice. Anything else going on with Apple at the moment? And then they've they've also just, uh, when they brought the Apple Watch Ultra out, there were, there were kind of four power settings mooted and they've only just one of them was a really kind of low power mode that really extends the battery life and that's only just kind of been rolled out now it didn't come with the original kind of um, updates and that essentially is going to give like fewer gps and heart rate readings and extend the battery life up to 60 hours uh it's yeah the interesting thing is it's basically designed for walking and hiking i think more than running but I think it does give you a little bit, potentially a bit more kind of um, longevity if you're going to go for some sort of maybe fast packing running or sort of ultra long kind of run hike. So again, it'd be interesting just to test that out. Yeah, no, I think they're. No. T- I think I, I think they're talking kind of smartwatch battery life as opposed to kind of GPS battery life. So it's get yeah. like Kieran said, it's giving you a bit more in terms of yeah, probably if you're hiking and mm-hmm. uh, where it might be more useful. Definitely uh, addressing those battery concerns that most people tend to have when it comes to. Um... To Apple devices. Another running fact then, uh, Oscar Wilde apparently was forced to run on a treadmill during his two-year prison sentence. Doesn't seem like a very bad thing to do. Although I don't like treadmills very much though, so... What incline? Not... What, what incline was that? There's no details on the incline, <laughs> or how fast he was running. Um, yeah, I'd love to have seen how that went down. I mean, Just a man on yeah. a treadmill. I see that all the time in the yeah. gym. Um, yeah. Okay then. Right. Let's dive into some chat about basically giving advice to the, the listeners and the viewers about what sort of tech they should be looking at at the moment. So let's let's dive in and talk about what do you guys think is the current best running watch for? I would put it down as advanced level runners. So so seasoned runners that have sort of goals in mind. They know how to train. What watch would you go for if you were one of those people? I think. I think if you've got money to spend, um, I think it, for me it would be the four hundred nine five five. Uh, so the Garmin four hundred nine five five. I think I mean you're essentially I think for value at that top end, that's giving you the best value uh, in terms of 
the level of features you're getting, the level of analysis and training, kind of insights that you're getting as well. The level of battery life, I think, is going to last someone who's doing regular amount of training during a week and maybe a bit longer and doesn't want to charge. For me, that is probably the one that I would say. Um, and I think things like training readiness and HRV states, I think are really kind of compelling things to have now as, as part of that kind of preparation in terms of your running and your training. So I think for me, the 955 is probably the one that I would say. And I think if if you're looking a little bit further down, but still, you're still I would still consider an advanced running watch. I think the 4.0255 is going to serve most people well and i think you're getting still getting a good level of training you're not getting the mapping um kind of support you're getting on that 955 which is probably the biggest kind of thing you're getting you're kind of losing out on um features wise those are the watches that i would probably be saying to someone look if you if you're really putting in the training you really want that insight and that level of data then those are the kind of watches that i would be saying first and foremost to look at mm. kieran yeah what, what do you think yeah I mean, I, I kind of tend to agree with a lot of what Mike's just said in terms of that kind of sweet spot and, and the money. I, I guess it depends. If, if, if money's no object, then for me, I think the Enduro 2 is, you know, it's an absolute beast of a watch that does everything you're going to need. It's, it's enormously expensive. Uh, you know, it's near, near, coming close to a thousand pounds. But I think what might be interesting for people to also look at, if you want a little bit more headroom, and you want a bit more kind of the all-round package is to, to look a generation back. You know, I think the original Enduro is a, is a very, very compelling watch, and that's you can pick that up now for around £500. Even going back a generation of the Phoenix might be interesting because, you know, you're going to get good value for the feature set. So, yeah, go, you don't necessarily have to go for the kind of latest ones of those sort of top um, and just drop a generation down. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah I, I think for most, for most runners, something like the 255 or the 955 will, yeah. will do it. You know, you could, we're going to talk about it in a sec, but throw into that, I think, the, even the, the chorus pace too. Yeah, and I think also if you really aren't sold on, and if you've used the Garmin before, you're really not sold on any kind of element of it. I think uh, the Polar watches that I've tested this year, I think the Polar Pacer Pro is a really good... I think you're getting pretty much a lot, most of the good stuff from the Vantage series and the Grit-X for a lot less money in a package that I feel is a, is a nicer option for runners. And I think you're not losing a lot in terms of what you're paying. I still think you're getting that very good polar running experience. If, you, if you're not really sold on Garmin, because we're going to talk to, about Coros as well, but I think polar, the Polar Pacer Pro is another one to look at as well. There, there's probably elements that are not quite as slick, I think, in terms of execution, in terms of software and things, but there's still loads of features that you're getting there that you're not really seeing on the Garmin that I think is worth looking at as well. Nice. I would, I I'd, I'd probably agree with you, Mike, on the nine five. I've been using the nine five five for like last five months, yeah. and uh, I, I've absolutely loved it. It's been, it's been fantastic. I used it for Chicago Marathon, used it for my training, and I think that's I think that's the thing we've mentioned Garmin quite a lot in talking about the higher end, premium, yeah. advanced level stuff. I think they still sort of own that area very nicely. Um, when you're getting to those realms, I definitely want a Garmin either the 955 or like the phoenix 7 or something like that so yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm going with you on that one mike I'm, I'm saying 955 is my top pick for and this is coming um, from an epics user so you know mm-hmm. i would definitely suggest spending less as well so yeah excellent okay then well let's jump to the other side of the scale if you are somebody who maybe has just started running maybe isn't really seasoned when it comes to training and tracking what watch would you go for that's cost effective and delivers 
enough for those for those people um i mean i think i think we're going to probably agree on this and i think the chorus pace too the chorus pace too when that launch has pretty much forced other watch brands to realize we've got to offer better at that price point and the price point that the chorus pace too sits you're now getting better options alongside it. But I think ultimately when the Coral Space 2 came out in terms of what you're getting in terms of performance, in terms of the battery life, in terms of the features, and also the fact that Coral is making sure that the the, op, the updates that you're getting are as consistent across all of its watches and it, that also feeds into the pace too as well I think is, in re, is really important here you don't feel like you're missing out on loads you don't have the mapping and navigation support that you have on those pricier chorus watches but pretty much that core experience is very very similar and I think that's really important and that's what really makes it I think really stand out at that kind of entry level kind of price point I'd agree really and I, I think the, the great thing about the chorus pace too and I'd, I'd always advise kind of runners who are just coming in, even though you might just be beginning and starting out, if there's a chance that you're going to kind of fall in love with running and you're going to progress your running, and a lot of people do, I, I'd recommend buying a device that gives you a little bit of headroom to grow into. And I think the Coros Pace 2 does that without costing you an awful lot more than some of the really kind of basic basic watches that you know might be closer to £100. So you've got room to grow as a runner and the features will sort of take you along as, as, you, as you get better and you get more interest in some of the I guess the more kind of scientific element of the data and stuff in the pace two offers that really, really nicely. I think, I guess the other one for me is like the forerunner two five five, a bit more expensive, but that gives you a little bit more kind of headroom to grow into. You know, it's, you're going to get 299 pounds without music. If you don't worry about the music, but you know, really good capable rounder with a good 30 hour battery life and a watch that's probably going to last you quite a while. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good point with the uh, getting a watch that's not going to cap out very quickly. I've got a few friends that are, are really got into running over the past year, and a lot of them bought a watch when they started, and they were either smart watches that weren't really designed for running, or they were the sort of entry level uh, watches that you can get. And they very quickly realised by what by going running with me and going with other people that they just just wasn't giving them the information that they needed. And now they're all looking at the Coros pace two basically uh yeah. as, as as the next step up yeah and i think just to kind of complete that i kind of think i think there's three there i think the polar pace as well kind of sits in that price range as well and i tested that after the polar pace of pro and i think it again it's another really solid entry-level watch it does more than track runs and i think that's polar a bit weird about how they communicate how these run because they all track swims and cycling as well so you've got that kind of multi-sport element from it as well like you do with the other watches and you've got that, some of that really good kind of strong training analysis that you get from polar which i think is a real win for them over some of the other brands so you can get that that kind of entry level price well the polar pacer so polar pacer coming up uh, quite well there uh let's let's leave watches for now and then we'll jump into headphones headphones is i find a very very tricky area for people these days because there's so many and there's so many different price points it's quite hard to, to work out which headphones to buy and we've tested an awful lot of headphones over the over the past year or so and yeah it's it's a it's a minefield trying to trying to pick up a, the, the right pair for you so if you were money wasn't an object you're a runner you want a pair of headphones that you can use for all of your runs basically what what are you going to go for you get one choice oh that's a hard one uh <laughs> huh. I th- okay so based on and i've tested a lot this year pretty much on a weekly basis so i think everything that's kind of stood out for me in terms of the level of performance and what i would actually use i think for runs and for races i would probably say the J- jabra elite for active because i really like the sevens but actually these come in less they've pretty much got the same feature set i think in terms of the durability level the battery 
the active noise, I like active noise cancellation, not everyone does. I do, and I think it's good enough. It's not the best out there, but it's very, very good. And I think you get a nice companion app there as well with Jabra. So I think if you want to personalize that sound a little bit more, then you do have that scope to do it. So for me, that's what I would probably go for. The sevens are great. I think the fours are equally as good as well for less money. Kieran, what you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I like those two that Mike's just mentioned, but I think I my the ones that I personally use all the time are still the Jaybird Vista 2. I just like the fact you get you know get a good battery life. It's about eight hours on the bud, 16 hours in the case, so it's a good sort of combination enough to cover a week, basically. Uh, I really like they've, they've sort of gone to town with the extra smarts that you get within the app, Find My Buds, lots of kind of custom EQ, saving sound profiles. I like the fact that the case has a little toggle on it that you can attach to a belt clip <laughs> mm-hmm. now i i mean the, i like the fact that you've got rapid charging the case is um is waterproof as well so that's good for having it in your belt and i think the sound quality is up there and now right now at the moment i just checked this morning you get them for 139 pounds which is you know that's really competitive there's one caveat to this and that's there's a little bit of a durability question over them and some people have problems make keeping them charging and what i found is the points they don't always sit in the case and charge. You have to make sure they're very clean and well positioned in order to get that charge. So I know mm-hmm. some people find that they have a bit of durability. I haven't. I've had a pair that I've been using now since they came out and they're still going fine. So that is one caveat, but I really, I really like those. I think there's another thing to to mention about Jaybird as well is that, and it's been very quietly done, is that they are getting out of the headphone, sports headphone business. So, I mean, I don't know what that means for the long term for their for their headphones but their logitech are kind of the the parent company are, are pulling out of kind of doing sports headphones so i think it's a shame because i think that the vista 2 is such a good headphone and to kind of pull away from that business seems a, an odd one but it looks like you know what i'm not sure what the long term kind of future and whether we're going to see more headphones from them but as it stands it's still a great um set of sports headphones and some of the best for running yeah uh, well i i have been I imagine you're both the same. Uh, I've got a drawer with loads of different headphones in and the headphones that I pick up when I go out for a run are generally the one that I see that I want to wear straight away. And if I'm wearing that headphone consistently, I I basically cast that as the one I want to wear. Now, it was the Jaybird Vista 2s, but I've had issues with the Jaybird Vista 1 and 2s recently in that it keeps cutting out every time I'm listening to it within about 15, 20 minutes. So I have reverted back to the Elite 4 Active and I'm... I'm absolutely loving them. I think they're fantastic, and for the price, I, 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 there's nothing else I've got in my drawer yeah. that, that does the job as well. Uh, so, okay, so if you were on a budget for headphones, what would you go for, Kieran? Do you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, all right. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think one really interesting one, and these are, these headphones are not necessarily designed specifically for running. Actually, they are um, the Nothing Ear One that I've really enjoyed. They basically £99.99 they're super lightweight in terms of the buds they've got a decent battery life um, and active noise cancellation you've got up to 34 hours of kind of run time and they just they just feel really nice in the ears they deliver good sound they're quite simple in terms of the extra features that you get but there's enough on there you're, you know that it's sort of rival quite a lot and I, I think they're, they, they've lasted me really well there's good durability I just find them really comfortable to run in and for under £100, I think they represent really nice value. I am going to go much cheaper than that. So I've tested a couple of headphones this year that I think really have really surprised me. So they're both from J-Lab. So the J-Lab Go Air Sport and the Epic Sport. So the difference is it's in about £10, but they're out, they sit about the £20, £30 range, which immediately you think these are not going to be great. But actually, in terms of what I got from sound performance, 
In terms of the fit, even with the the non wing um, wingtip versions, I found them really solid for running. The controls uh, are hit and miss, but I think you, you know you can adjust the sound. The sound profile for me was very very good. Battery life was very good, and it just shows you that you can pay that small amount of money and get very very good headphones and actually if i got if those are the headphones i had to run with i'd be absolutely fine with them you know we're kind of very fortunate in a situation we could test all these very expensive ones but if those are the ones i had to stick to i'd be absolutely happy with those because in terms of the performance in terms of my testing they were they were really really solid so i would say the jlab goe sport and the epic sport which i tested this year i would definitely suggest as really cheap but very good running headphones i'm just going to say i haven't got any really cheap ones uh, I'll go for Soundcore Liberty 3 Pros, which you can get quite cheap. I think they're £90 at the RRP, but you can get them quite a bit cheaper from what I've seen. And they're just a really good sounding pair of solid headphones. And I guess I guess we've got to talk about bone conduction because we know not everyone loves truly wireless. And, and I think the good thing is, you know, shocks are the leader in this space. And for good reason, I think, you know, they're not perfect. But I think in terms of the all-round package, they're very good. But I have tested other bone conduction headphones this year. I think Nayenka who are another brand and have done really good bone conduction headphones and I think offer sound. I think Philips's bone conduction headphones as well offer bigger sound than what I've experienced on the Shocks as well. So I think the key thing for me is that there are other options out there outside of Shocks. I think in terms of that all-round experience, it's still very good on Shocks and I think that's why most people will still lean to them as a brand for bone conduction headphones and having that awareness. But there are other options and just because they're a little bit cheaper doesn't mean they're not worth looking at as well. Okay, so that 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 will do us for uh, tech chat this this month. But before we finish, another fact for you: running, running facts. facts. And this it doesn't even sound like a fact. Uh, <laughs> approximately fifty six percent of people who run outdoors get a runny nose. Both cold and dry air have been shown to increase nasal mucus production. So there you Where's go. that from? Where's that from? What's the source? There, there, I, I, there are no sources. <laughs> there are no official sources for these things. The website, is, it's like the dark web that I get this from. Um, so, so there you go. That's uh, 56%. Okay, so now we come to our podcast only section of the the show and this is the questions so every month we get loads of questions from listeners and viewers asking various things about shoes and kit and tech and quite often we don't have time to answer them all because uh, we get quite a lot of them these days so this is an opportunity for us to just run through a lot of the questions that you've sent through and answer them as quickly as we can but uh so that everyone else can see, listen to the answers so that uh, the, the the question doesn't crop up again so let's jump in john miller he says how do you think the triumph 20 compares with the ride 15 have you both got the triumph 20s yes <laughs> I've, I've been running in them i would say the ride 15 is probably a little bit more versatile in terms of the kind of speed you could run in that shoe i think the triumph 20 definitely feels to me a, a very very much like a kind of cruising kind of easy shoe um that's kind of how i would look at it basically there's not a huge i think there's a few um shoes in that kind of um Socony, um collection that are very similar and that's what you get with the triumph 20 and the ride 15 but i would say maybe you can work it a little bit quicker in the ride 15 i would say yes I would agree. It's 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 a more of a daily shoe yeah. designed for. I wouldn't say it's the most versatile shoe out there, but um, yeah. it's definitely a lot more versatile than the the, the Triumph Twenty. The Triumph Twenty is a yeah. comfortable, cruising, easy day cushion shoe, uh, and it's yeah. fantastic at doing that. Um, but 
they're the main differences. Okay, uh, Magdo Witch uh, says, in my country, the Nike React Infinity Run Flyknit 3 and Nike Air Zoom Pegasus 39 are the same price. Which model is better? Have either of you guys tried the Pegasus 39? Yeah, I've got, yeah. I've got that. Mm. Um, and I've used the Flyknit as well. And I think for me, again, it's a little bit of a similar thing where I think the Pegasus 39 is a bit nicer i think to run some kind of quicker sessions in i think there's they probably have similar characteristics in terms of feel but i think if i had to choose between the two uh, as a kind of daily trainer that you can work at a variety of paces and actually is a shoes you can just kind of wear around as well i think is quite nice as well i think the pegasus 39 probably stands out a little bit more you've used them as well tom right you've i haven't used the 39s i've only used the 38s yeah um but from what I've heard from Nick as well, certainly yeah. sounds like the Pegasus 39 is getting a little bit more love than the uh, the Infinity Run Flyknit 3, which is a fine shoe. It just, yeah. for me, the, it, the Infinity Run's just a little bit, just doesn't really excel in any area. It's just a solid shoe with a bit of stability to it. Yeah. Um, okay, so there you go. Uh, Andor Kish says, and this is an interesting one because we've got a video <laughs> coming up on this, Nova Blast 3 or Mac 5? Kieran, what do you think? I mean, this is an easy one for me, really. I, I might prefer the Mac 5. I've never entirely gotten on with the Nova Blast sort of range. I always found them a little bit too soft and a little bit, a little bit too sinky. And I think, again, it's, you know, the Nova Blast 3, I think, is a, is a perfectly good show. I understand why people like it. But for me, it kind of fits into an easy sort of run bracket, whereas I think the Mac 5 has a lot more versatility. It rides a little bit firmer. I, I get a little bit more kind of roll through from the, from the rocker. And I just feel like it fits better on the foot. And I, that versatility is a big thing for me. You know, I learned the Mac 5 actually, it's just a shoe I, I know I'm going to enjoy running in at quite a good range of pace. It can cope with the easy, but it can go up a little bit of up-tempo as well. I wouldn't race in it, but um, yeah, I just feel like it was. it's, it's all around just a, a, a better shoe for me. Yeah, I think it's, I think there's definitely considerations, I would say, first in terms of the the uppers and the fits. They they feel very different for me. I think the Mac 5 would, for me personally, felt a little bit more narrow, whereas I think the Plus feels although it can run a little bit long but I think in terms of the cushioning that you're getting you're getting something I would say a little bit softer in the Low Blast 3 where it is a little bit firmer as Kieran said on the Mac 5 but I think the Mac 5 works at kind of quicker kind of quicker paces I think it lends itself a little bit better to that they, they're both shoes I think you can run long you know long in and long run for a long time in but I think if you want a daily trainer shoe that runs a little bit faster than I would, or feels a little bit nice to run faster than I would go for the Mac 5 yeah, I'd agree. I I'd, I'd, I think both shoes are solid shoes. I just think the Mac yeah. 5 is a shoe that is excellent in what it yeah. does, whereas the Nova Blast 3 is a shoe that does what it does fine, and yeah. people are happy with it. Okay, then, uh, Rohit Gawaka. They've got a couple of questions. Are, this, you might not want to answer these ones, uh, Kieran. Are expensive <laughs> running singlets really that good? If you like uh, bare shoulders, they're great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think this was specifically around like the sore type vests and stuff yeah. like that. Mm. Uh, I would say expensive running singlets aren't essential, but the sore ones are fantastic for racing. Mm. They're just so lightweight. You don't think about them. I don't put Vaseline on with them or anything like that. And even though they are like 90 something pounds, I don't care about that 90 pounds when I'm trying to get a PB in Chicago um, and I don't want to worry about the vest that I'm wearing. So I think if for certain people and you see a lot of them in running clubs, like mm. club runners wear sore vests, expensive vests mm. all the time because they really, really care about uh, the, the slightest difference that a vest can make. But I, I think 
for certain people at that level, I think they do make a difference and they're an investment worth making. I've run in the Seiski, the Tracksmith, and the uh, Saw. Obviously, that's who do uh, the run testers vests. And I've raced in them, and I do feel the difference. And uh, a bit similar to, to you, Tom, I think, you know, in terms of the chafing, in terms of the feel of the material when you're running and racing, for me, it feels different. I have used cheaper ones as well. I don't think it's a massive issue, and it's not going to be a massive issue for loads of people. But I, I do feel a slight change uh, for me personally in terms of that comfort, um, particularly when I'm racing. Those mo- those minor changes do make a difference mm. when you're doing a lot of racing, especially mm. you know in a marathon. Okay, and the, the second part of this question is: Is it advisable <laughs> to wear running underwear if you're wearing running shorts? Oh, I guess that would depend on what kind of running shorts you wear. I mean. If you're wearing yeah. really short shorts, then I think absolutely you probably should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't, yeah, you don't want that accident that guy had in the marathon a few years back, where you're running down the finish line and everybody yes. gets to see everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm a massive fan though, and seriously, I'm a massive fan of um, base layer shorts. I run everything in, with a pair of base layer shorts, whether they're sort of short boxes or kind of longer um, base layer shorts, mainly yeah. because I think they tend to help avoid the nasty chafe better than just relying on the the inner parts of shorts that can vary but even with sort of built-in shorts have built-in base layer shorts i feel like sometimes they're not always the best at preventing mm. chafe so i i yeah. would recommend it and i you know you don't have to spend loads of money on them. you can get some quite nice kind of cheap yeah. kind of under armor and um, short boxes that, that work nicely but yeah i um i i used to have slightly uh chunkier thighs than i have now <laughs> and uh i when i used to go running i used to get major thigh chafage when i started running and I always had to wear base layers with my short underneath my shorts, um, just because I couldn't run otherwise. I don't really have that problem as much now. I, I still really like having a nice pair of base layer shorts because it just feels like it's something you don't have to worry about. I didn't even that up for um, uh, Chicago Marathon, which yeah. was strange because it was actually quite warm, uh, and I was yeah. a bit worried by about half marathon. I thought, oh no, I've not put any Vaseline on, but I was wearing the sore uh, race shorts and it was fine. Didn't have any issues at all. So yeah, I suppose it's dependent on um, what uh, what type of running you're doing. Um, and I think just test. I think just test. If you're not yeah. sure before you get out and racing, try, try and train with them at a kind of a distance where you you know you may mm-hmm. potentially have issues. And I think that will help and help you decide. Cool. Okay, uh, Michael Dominic. He says, uh, which are so- uh, which is softer and more comfortable for longer easy runs, Socony Tempest or Socony Triumph Twenty? Triumph Twenty. Tempest I've... is a little bit. Sorry. I've only done one run in the Tempest, but I've done a lot more in the Triumph. I would say maybe the Tempest feels a bit softer. You've taught them, you've done really? a bit more time, maybe. It's, I don't know. I've done one. It's interesting run. this because I've seen a lot of comments. It's the most, most divisive shoe I've ever seen. <laughs> I've been using it for. Uh, I've I've been marathon training, doing interval training and stuff like that, and I used that for a few of those runs, and I, it felt pretty good for a shoe that was essentially a stability shoe. And I, I wouldn't have classed it as massively soft, but some people mm. do. Um, yeah. I'd say the Triumph Twenty is way softer than the the, the Tempest, mm. but um, yeah, it seems strange that the, the dif- differences that people are finding with this shoe. I think like the Tempest, the Triumph, the Guide, the Ride Fifteen, all of those shoes around that, it's kind of in between. I think I would definitely mm. say. Okay, there you go. Not very good answer for you there, Michael. <laughs> Norman Rex Apina said T Rex Two or Coros Pace Two. Ooh, okay. That's a good one because I guess they are kind of similar price. I think mean, obviously one is kind of a more outdoor centric watch, uh, the T Rex Two, um, that does have the kind of dual band or kind of dual frequency kind of positioning stuff that we're seeing in other watches. And actually, when me and Nick 
tested it. It's actually performed really, really well. Uh, you do have some mapping and navigation support on that watch as well, so which you don't have on the Corus Pace 2. And then the battery life is very good on the T-Rex 2 as well. But again, I think the Corus Pace 2, if you can live without the kind of mapping navigation stuff, the battery life, the the level of support for kind of kind of additional accessories and the insights, really running focus stuff is very very strong. So I think if you want that kind of you you like the idea of that kind of dual frequency dual band kind of support and you want that mapping kind of basic breadcrumb navigation support, then I would say T Rex two. If you can live without that, then I would go Chorus Pace two and save yourself a little bit of money. Lovely. Okay, uh, Josh says that they are running New York in a couple of weeks uh, for Autism Speaks. They've got a goal of 329, B goal of 350, uh, 344, and a C goal just to finish the race. They're, they've been rotating some shoes, Endorphin Speed 2, Endorphin Speed, and the NBSC trainer. Do we have any suggestions on which shoe to go for for racing the marathon in a couple mm. of weeks? Well, I mean, those, there's a lot of time. I'd say there's a lot of time difference between your A goals and B goals as well. That's uh, mm. yeah. Which, yeah, which yeah. could be interesting. It sounds like you're not entirely sure about hitting that first yeah, goal yeah. but um i i would say for me i've not run in the in the se trainer but if it's between the speed two and the speed three i think the speed two is a faster shoe for racing the marathon that's the one that i would choose out of those two i think it's just a bit more nimble a bit more agile a bit more punchy whereas mm-hmm. the speed three it's just a little softer i think and it may be you know it's it's arguably better if your kind of wheels fall off later into the race and you're, you're struggling yeah. a bit but if you're going all out then i would go speed two out of those yeah, I'd yeah. say SC Trainer is an interesting one. Just be, and it's it's quite difficult with that range of marathon times to really to sort of suggest the <laughs> shoe. But the SC Trainer, it, I I saw a few people running it in Chicago, and I've I've got up to about thirty k in the the trainer now. I think it's is it the SC? Yeah, it's the SC Trainer. Yeah, I got uh, up to about thirty k in it now, and it's just not a very good long distance shoe. It feels good for about fifteen k up to about twenty k. Then it just feels very bulky, very heavy. And you don't really get those benefits from it. So I think it really just comes down to which do you feel most comfortable in the speed two or speed three? Base it on that because it sounds like your your training plan is you know fairly flexible. So I think it should come down to comfort and based on the shoe that you like wearing the most. Go with you go with your gut yeah. and maybe not the trainer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jeff Jeff Deacon says, what if anything do men wear under running tights? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't wear anything other than no, no, absolutely nothing. There you go. Yeah. Paula says, lads, what do you think of marathon distance in the Mac Five? I, I'd say, I mean, again, this this all depends on what you're aiming for in a marathon. Mm. It, I, you can absolutely run a marathon in it and have an enjoyable time. If you're going all out for sort of PB chasing, I'd say it's possible it wouldn't be my optimal shoe to choose. But if you're just going to go and run a run a race and look to enjoy it, I think it's it's a good shoe and I think it will definitely be a shoe that can sort of cradle you later in a race if you're if you're struggling a bit more it's got I think it's got that kind of good range so I wouldn't mm-hmm. I wouldn't make it my optimal shoe to go and be kind of chasing marginal gains in but I think you could easily run a marathon yeah I just I think it's very dependent on the type of runner that you are I wouldn't want to run a I could run a, a, a fairly good marathon in the Mac 5 I wouldn't want to I just it's just not cushioned enough for me but yeah so if you look if you if you're a sort of general running your first marathon thinking oh i might do it in the mac 5 it just might be a little bit too lean for that um mm. uh, and not as comfy as you want but it will is a, is a fast shoe yeah. um okay uh let's do one final one michael crespo says thanks for 
uh, taking us along. He's talking about the Chicago video. Did you get deep dish? And if so, where? Oh, we got deep dish. Oh, yes. We went to a place called uh, Pet Quads, I think. Or, yeah, uh, that's Pe- it. Yeah, Pet Quads, yeah. which I believe is up north Chicago, around near, I want to say Sheffield Way. My knowledge of um, Chicago <laughs> geography is not great. But it was fantastic. It was massive. We we were going to order a pizza each, and then we ordered one between four, and we still couldn't eat it. So um, two slices, amazing. two slices. I managed. <laughs> yeah, well, we I did go a bit mad with the starters as well. So, but we had just uh, PB. Well, I just PB'd in a marathon, so I was I was taking anything. But yes, we did. We we had a lot of uh, deep dish. It was fantastic. Okay, then, guys, what have we got coming up over the next over the next month? Uh, Runchester Awards that's the big one so at the end so the next podcast will actually form part of the Runchester Awards we did this last year where we have a number of areas um, or, or a number of categories and we will be picking the best shoes things like best cushion shoe best race shoe uh, we'll also be having a uh, audience award so you can pick a shoe based on uh, what you think it is and vote on uh, what 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 wins that award okay other than that we've got socks coming up yeah going to give a rundown of the best our favorite running socks that we've kind of tried and tested the ones that we love and go to all the time mm-hmm. i'm also i've been busy doing a kind of all-out mile test of a bunch of different sort of carbon race shoes to see which if any can make me fart, run faster and run happier and that'll be up on the channel soon mm-hmm. google what pixel watch coming out mike yeah, so I missed that announcement when we were away in the US, but I mean, this is this is Google's big play against the Apple Watch, so I will have that in imminently, so I'll give that a little kind of run test, see how that performs. Uh, and then there's some secret watches we can't talk about yet, which mm. we can talk about next month, so there are more watches coming. Uh, and then there's a bit of a kind of, ba- I guess it's get kind of a bit of a quiet spell for shoe launches, but I know we are plans to get the endorphin shifted i know it's on another one of socking shoes that are being talked about mm-hmm. a little bit and we'll have that into endorphin shift that. three yeah shift three sorry which yes. is an interesting one because i've tested the one and two and i think by all accounts the three sounds like they've made some big changes to it mm. socking yeah. seem to be making big changes to every single thing they released <laughs> this year which is yeah i mean been, it's really worked for them so interesting to see how the endorphin shift three turns out uh, okay, so if you want to contact us and send us a question for the next podcast, then uh, you can email us at team at theruntesters.com uh, or you can hit us over at Instagram on uh, the run testers at the run testers. And we're, of course, we're on YouTube, uh, which you're probably watching uh, right now. And that is forward slash the run testers. So thanks a lot for listening and um, we'll catch you guys later. This episode of the run testers podcast was presented by Tom Wheatley, Kieran Alger and Mike Saw. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley. The music for the podcast was Fear of Tigers.